for Thursday, October 28th. It's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hello, I'm Lance Lucky, in for Isaac Davy Aronson, with a look at this morning's top news stories, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, Ilya Meritz fills us in on why your mailbox is filling up every day with campaign flyers. We'll start with the morning's headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. By canceling the ARC tunnel that would have doubled passenger rail capacity into Midtown, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is giving up $3 billion in federal aid. The state will also have to pay back $350 million that's already been spent. Christie said he'd try to negotiate that amount down, but says it's still a small price to pay. That expense in the scope of, you know, billions and billions of dollars of cost overruns that were coming is, a, in my view, um, a relatively smaller cost. But Denise Richardson, managing director of the General Contractors Association of New York, whose members were building the tunnel, questions the governor's math especially his use of numbers from the Federal Transit Administration. What cost overruns in what period of time are we talking about? And if you look at the FTA analysis that led to all this, the FTA analysis was a series of speculative worst-case scenarios that then somehow became facts. For Christie's complete analysis and the federal government's detailed response, go to the Transportation Nation blog at WNYC.org. The mayor of Ridgefield, New Jersey, has been acquitted of corruption charges. The first time in over a decade that a federal jury in the Garden State has found a public official not guilty of corruption. Anthony Suarez had been charged in last year's massive bribery and money laundering sting, but his co-defendant, tax preparer Vincent Tabacchino, was convicted of bribery and extortion. New York City police officers who patrol public housing are getting retraining to avoid improper stops after an increase in complaints by residents. Police Commissioner Ray Kelly ordered about 2,000 housing bureau and patrol officers to get training on legal standards governing stops at city housing authority locations. Working with the city's Civilian Complaint Review Board, Kelly is making it clear that officers need reasonable suspicion to stop people in public housing. The training should be completed by the end of November. A grand jury has indicted three of the men accused of gang assault and aggravated sexual abuse in the anti-gay attacks against two men and two teens earlier this month in the Bronx. Prosecutors dismissed all charges against 17-year-old Dennis Peters after dropping charges against three other suspects at a hearing Tuesday. Four other men are still facing charges. Meanwhile, former First Lady Laura Bush is backing the fight against the bullying of gay teenagers. In an interview at the Women's Conference 2010 in California, she said that all bullying, certainly gay teens, but any children, is terrible. She said adults have to be the ones who do something about it. The city council is poised to vote on legislation that would require the NYPD to post statistics regarding domestic violence and hate crimes on the My Neighborhood Statistics website. City Council Speaker Christine Quinn. To not have this information available to the public in a way that they can see what's happening in their own neighborhood is obviously something that puts the public in the dark. If the bill passes, stats on murders, rapes, and assaults related to domestic violence and or hate crimes will be posted on the city's website by the end of the year. Drivers using MTA bridges and tunnels will join the city's subway and bus riders in paying more 
The MTA board voted 12 to 1 to approve a toll increase that would go into effect at the end of the year. The biggest increases would affect those using cash for their tolls. They'll pay $1 to $2 more. Drivers using EasyPass will see an increase of just 5%. With just days before the midterm election, Republican gubernatorial candidate Carl Palladino was in Staten Island Wednesday greeting voters. Walking down New Dorp Lane, Palladino ran into Kim Chavez, a registered Democrat and African-American who works in the health care industry. Oh, I, I was getting ready to say, you Palladino, I see you yeah, on TV this morning. Yeah, you've seen me before. So you want my vote? Yeah, of course I'm going to vote. Are you going to get the friends and relatives out too? Yeah, the whole family. Thank you. Inside a nearby diner, Helen McCarthy said she's voting for Palladino because he's so combative and outspoken. Oh, he'll do everything that they don't want him to do. He has a mouth and he will do the job that has to be done for all of us other citizens, for the working class. He'll do his job, and he's got my backing. After Staten Island, Palladino went to Lower Manhattan and spoke out against plans to develop an Islamic cultural center and mosque near Ground Zero. Meanwhile, the Democratic candidate for governor, Andrew Cuomo, campaigned yesterday with former President Bill Clinton and vowed to use Clinton's two terms in office as a model for how he'll govern. And finally, Nigerian author Chinoa Achebe received the Gish Prize last night in Manhattan. The author, whose coming-of-age novel, Things Fall Apart, is widely read in high schools and colleges, picked up a silver medal and $300,000. The Gish Prize, named after the silent film actresses Lillian and Dorothy Gish, has been given to artists from different fields, including choreographer Bill T. Jones, lighting designer Jennifer Tipton, and singer-songwriter Bob Dylan. Taking a look at the calendar, new foreclosure numbers are being released this morning by Realty Track, the online foreclosure tracking firm. For the third quarter, foreclosure rates were up 65% in the more than 200 large cities surveyed. Once again, the top 10 cities with the highest foreclosure rates were all located in the sand states, Arizona, California, Florida, and Nevada. Among large cities posting the biggest increases over the year-ago period were Seattle, Chicago, and Houston. The Labor Department releases weekly job claims this morning, and Secretary of State Clinton delivers a speech in Honolulu on the United States' role as a Pacific nation before she starts an extensive Asian tour. And finally, to raise awareness of drunken driving at Halloween, Checkpoint Strike Force holds a live demonstration of the real-time effects of alcohol. Four individuals will consume multiple drinks under U.S. Park Police supervision and undergo a battery of sobriety tests administered by those USPP officers. Your tax dollars at work. Just some of what's happening this Thursday. So what does it take to run a political campaign? Well, every candidate needs an office to run for, then a staff, and, of course, money for advertising. Yesterday, Lisa Chow told us how campaigns are increasingly relying on detailed lists to help them target voters. Any campaign wants to know who's undecided in an election, because those are the people who are persuadable, and you want to focus your scarce resources persuading the people who haven't made up their minds already. That's Ken Strasma with Strategic Telemetry. Today, Ilya Maritz tells us how those people's mailboxes are targeted for flyers galore from candidates running for office. Probably no place in our city is getting more political mailers right now than Staten Island, where there's a competitive race for Congress. Oh, I get several pieces a day. I get five a week. It's pretty depressing. Bob Glass and Sarah Lim interviewed at the Staten Island Mall. 
So here's a brochure with a photo of incumbent Congressman Michael McMahon, a rosy-cheeked, white-haired Democrat, reading to children, message, McMahon cares about education. And here's a flyer for his challenger, Republican Michael Grimm, a blue-eyed ex-Marine, shown here shaking hands with former mayor Rudy Giuliani, message, Grimm is serious about national security. Nola Palumbo and Mildred Savitsky, regulars at the New Dorp Beach Friendship Club, have been seeing plenty of this stuff, and they're not impressed. Grim, McMahon, I get them every day. Every day, my husband's cutting it up, so it's quite a bit. And yet, the mail keeps coming for a reason. Democratic campaign consultant Scott Levinson. Mail moves voters. He says even people who hate political mail are influenced by it. No other medium has the power to put the candidate's image and message in the voters' hands, even if they walk it straight to the recycle bin. And mail is especially useful in New York City, where a 30-second TV ad can cost millions to produce and air. By contrast, a campaign can use the same money to send repeat communications directly to the homes of moms or veterans or small business owners. Stephen Stites consults for Michael Grimm. It's the best and most effective way to reach a large number of voters and to know who you're reaching. Neither the Grimm campaign nor the McMahon campaign would give specific details about how they're targeting voters in this race. It's sensitive stuff, and campaigns want to control the message. And that starts here, where the flyers are printed. Mainly the printing happens in and around New York City in shops like Nesher Printing on the west side of Manhattan. The lights are fluorescent, the smell is chemical. Vincent Gaudioso is the owner. Right now the machine is pulling the paper through, and at the end result... Printing a sheet. Can you pull out a sheet for me, Cookie, please? And out comes a newsletter for a Jewish organization. Gaudioso is not actually doing any political mailers at the moment, which is one reason he's speaking to WNYC. Several printers who are doing campaign communications declined to comment. One even threatened to call the police and then hung up the phone. Then he called back. I'll talk to you after election day, he said. They don't want anybody to see their stuff. Again, Vincent Gaudioso. I signed a bunch of waivers of not showing, not telling, not seeing. If someone questions me, I can't say a word. Campaigns can be demanding in other ways, too. Gaudioso says skin tone is often a problem. What looks right to the printer doesn't always look right to the campaign, as in the case of an African-American candidate a few years ago. They thought it was just too dark. Gaudioso was baffled. When they showed me the picture, it looked pretty close to his picture. Nevertheless, the graphic designer went back to lighten the photo, and Gaudioso agreed to reprint. He doesn't recall whether the man won or lost. But the journey of political mail doesn't end in the printing press. Again, strategist Scott Levinson. A consultant who thinks their job is done because the mail has been put on the mail truck is doing their client a disservice. Because the mailer is worthless until it arrives in the mailbox. This time of year, Levinson makes it a habit to visit mail processing centers late at night. And we found mailbags that were hidden behind tables that if we didn't go at 4 o'clock in the morning to find them, they would have been two days later, which is everything. When you're staring Election Day right in the face. In the days to come, mail from Michael McMahon and Michael Grimm and many more candidates, too, will continue to arrive in voters' mailboxes. If you're on the receiving end, know this. It'll all be over soon. And as you walk that flyer to the recycle bin, spare a thought for the people who worked really hard to get it to you. For WNYC, I'm Ilya Meritz. Brazilian sound architect Amon Tobin has created music for video games, Chaos Theory, and Infamous, as well as for many films. 
He combines manipulated field recordings, vinyl records, and a drum machine to produce these genre-defying beats and measures. Tobin performs tonight at Santos Party House in Chinatown. Download this track, Shut Down, on our Culture site. Just click on Culture at WNYC.org. Learn more about the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog at our website, WNYC.org. Hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM 820. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Lance Lucky. Have a great day.